We've got uh, Grant Nisbet there with us, I believe. We've got Nisbo there. Nisbo is there. G'day, Nisbo. How are you doing? Ricardo, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Sorry, I just uh, juggling a few things. About 10 minutes before we went to air, Smithy had a power cut. Um, we've got him back up. I can see him on the thing, but he can't seem to hear me at the moment. So we'll get, uh, we'll get the boffins to work on that. Um, and in the meantime, uh, we'll, we'll have a bit of a chat about the uh, Super Rugby, mate. How, how fizzed are you about uh, tomorrow night, that Crusaders-Chiefs game? Uh, look, probably... On paper, at least, the uh, the two deepest teams in the comp. Yeah, look, it's a blockbuster to start, isn't it? It really is. And uh, so many All Blacks running around. It's it's going to be exciting, actually. Um, not too many new faces uh, in either side, really. Um, pretty much same old, same old. But as you say, some real depth in both teams and a, and a great way to kick off the competition. Fantastic, mate. Um, I mean, looking at it at the moment, I, I've been doing these Super Rugby shows um, on on the uh, on SCNZ where we've had uh, a different show for each of the different franchises this week. And, and looking at it, I mean, they do look the two best. I think um, maybe the Blues have gone backwards slightly, or the Chiefs have just overtaken. Them. How, how are you seeing things? Yeah, I don't know whether the Blues have gone backwards. I mean, when you look at the players they have lost, um, I think probably the only really significant ones are Kao Tuunukaafi, um, maybe Luke Romano, who's, he's retired, of course. Um, and, but they've got Patrick Tuipolotu back, and um, I think they're looking probably as good, if not slightly better, than what they were last year. Uh, another year to settle in, I suppose. So I wouldn't be writing the Blues off just yet. I always look at the Chiefs and, and think there's enormous depth in the Chiefs, and I think there is again this year, and the team they're putting out tomorrow night is a very, very strong one. The Hurricanes, uh, uh, it's hard to know with the Hurricanes. They they come and they go a wee bit, but uh, they're, they're tough to beat on their day. We all know that. They start in Brisbane this week. Uh, Crusaders, well, they're just the Crusaders, aren't they, really? And there's been some big changes down at the Highlanders, mainly in the in the coaching area. And I look, they looked as, as though they've beefed up their squad as well. So, look, I, I think all five New Zealand franchises, uh, given that all we've seen are pre-season games, but I think all five New Zealand franchises are looking pretty damn good at this early stage. Nisbo, can you hear me? It's Smithy here. G'day, Smithy. How are you, mate? Yeah, finally, uh, having power cuts and all sorts of things up here in Hawke's Bay at the moment, but never mind. Uh, which one are you calling? Can I, I focus in on the one you're calling this weekend? Well, I'm actually doing two, Smithy. I'm doing uh, Friday night Chiefs and uh, and the Crusaders. Then I'm down to Dunedin on Saturday night to do the, the Highlanders against the Blues. So I'll, I'll be able to see four of the five New Zealand franchises in action. Well, that's excellent. Uh, and this, I, I looked at uh, the Crusaders' chief sides when they came out, and I thought to myself, oh, here we go again, the Crusaders. And then as I, I just heard you talking about, I look at that Chiefs' pack, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that Chiefs' pack. Uh, they could uh, cause some early issues for Razors' boys. Yeah, I agree, absolutely. The interesting call is uh, Peter Gus-Cosa playing at number six rather than number eight. Luke Jacobson uh, playing at eight, which uh, they prefer him there, and so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But um, Sam Kane appears to be fit again. Uh, Brody Retallick, you put Kane and Retallick in any pack, and they're not bad, are they? And then you get Tokiaho, obviously, who's uh, 
nowadays now the number one hooker in the country. And I think you're right. I think there'll, there'll be some absolutely magnificent matchups, um, and and they're not a bad backline either. The interesting call for the Chiefs, uh, Smithy, is is playing Damian McKenzie at uh, ten. There's been a lot of speculation around about where he will play, and I'd imagine they'll play him at fullback on occasions. But starting him off at ten is um, is is going to be really 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 interesting up against Richie Moonga. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that'll depend on if there's any one pack gets dominance who, who will run the game from that point of view. But uh, Mackenzie at 10 certainly exciting. It also features uh, tomorrow night the return of Joe Moody, who I'm sure the All Black selectors are very, very happy to see back fully fit. And Jack Goodhue, but no Sam Whitelock. No Sam Whitelock, no. Uh, but, they, you know, they've got depth to cover, haven't they? Uh, when you can put uh, Mitchell Dunchay in there, uh, to partner Scott Barrett in the middle row. But you're right, there'll be a lot of interest around both Moody and Goodyear, whose seasons last year were completely ruined uh, by injury. Uh, there is still uh, there's still uh, room for both in the All Blacks, uh, certainly in the All Blacks squad, whether you could argue they're in the top 15 at the moment, but there's every opportunity to play your way in. I think the number one loosehead prop in the country at the moment is Ethan De Groot, and so Moody's going to have to work hard. And, of course, the midfield, where Goodhue is either 12 or 13, um, you've got uh, the likes of uh, Geordie Barrett and uh, Kiri Yuan, at least uh, Rico Ioani. So um, they're both going to have to work really hard, but it'll be great to see them back on the park. Well, nice, uh, nice, uh, I, I guess, match-up for uh, Clark Dermody as uh, first-up head coach for the Highlanders, a, a pretty new-look coaching team down there as well to take over after the Tony Brown era. Yes, it is. Uh, they've made they've made quite a few changes, haven't they, down there in uh, in Dunedin, uh, particularly on the coaching staff, as you say. And Germany's uh, been around a while, so it's not as if he's a new boy on the block. Um, but you know, they've they've, they've lost a, f- a few players, um, but they've gained a few as well. And I, I think uh, the Highlanders might just be sneaking under the radar, as they often do. And um, they'll welcome the Blues down there because the Blues are always um, well and truly hyped up, of course, coming from the biggest city in New Zealand. And uh, the speculation around them and the anticipation around them is always higher than perhaps for most other teams. But the Highlanders are a sort of team who uh, just roll their sleeves up. They've done it uh, since the inception of Super Rugby and get on with the job. And there's uh, plenty of experience around there. They're not going to have Aaron Smith for the first couple of weeks, uh, which is an interesting call. But uh, I'm sure they'll have that uh, that covered with uh, Falau Fakatava, and um, that'll be that, it'll be a hell of a matchup that one. It'd be interesting too um, the the matchup in the tens uh, for me because um, of course they've signed Freddie Burns from Leicester. Um, but who who do you foresee now fulfilling the pivot role for both of those sides uh, going into the early games in the season? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think Bowden Barrett certainly will play uh, 10 or should play 10 for the Blues. I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be playing 10 for the Blues. Um, and so uh, I'm expecting him to be there straight away. I'd, I'd imagine they'll go with Mitch Hunt early on and, and just let Freddie Burns ease his way into the uh, into the competition. Uh, those teams haven't been named as yet, but I'd be, mm. I'd be surprised if it wasn't Bowden Barrett for the Blues and I'd be surprised if it wasn't Mitch Hunt for... Uh, for the Highlanders. Right, OK, uh, your Hurricanes um, have got a tough one. They uh, are on the road early on in the piece under Jason Holland, of course, the Reds with Brad Thorne. Um, and uh, of interest to me is um, how they're going to do without TJ Perinata and how they're going to fill the number 10 role because they've got injuries there early on. Yeah, they've 
ever have. Um, I think I think the, well, Brett Cameron's out at the moment, and, and I think also uh, Ribbon Love is out. So it leaves Aidan Morgan, uh, the young 21-year-old. Uh, there's not much of him, but he's a pretty talented sort of a player. So they'll certainly have to go with him in the, in the early weeks of the competition until the other guys recover and become available. Uh, TJ Pedernara, um, I think they're reasonably well covered there. Jimmy Booth is an experienced player, uh, played around a month or two for a long time, and of course in now North Harbour. And Cam Roygaard, I think, is a real comer in New Zealand rugby ranks. I think that may, might be a name that you'll see uh, edging up towards higher honours as, uh, as we move on, not maybe this year, but in, in the years to come. A really impressive um, young guy, quite a Quite a tall halfback from County's Manukau. Played a wee bit last year. I think Cam Roygaard is a name to keep a, a, a real eye on. And so they'll have to cover until those other experienced players come back. Really looking forward to seeing how Peter Larkai goes first season in the Hurricanes. Uh, if he gets uh, to play alongside Artie Savrere on a regular basis. Yeah, look, he, he's a really promising player, a, a very humble young guy too, and uh, he he won't he won't be too big headed about uh, his success last year when he was rampant through the uh, the provincial competition. Uh, whether they use him on a regular basis or whether he'll be used as sort of as an apprentice, it'll be interesting to see because um, I'd imagine Adi Savia will play eight. Uh, which, of course, is the exact position that Peter Lackey played for for Wellington in the provincial championship. Um, Adi Savier appears to be the preferred number eight in the All Blacks these uh, these days, and therefore uh, they, they'll probably play him there in Super Rugby as well because you've got uh, Duplessis Karifi, of course, who had a terrific provincial season. He'll play at seven, and there's any number of players who can play at six. So, look, I think uh, Lackey, uh, he'll, he'll see some game time this year, but I don't think you'll see him starting too often when Salvi is available. Uh, an opportunity to see um, some of these Australian uh, franchises too. Nisbo first up, of course, they don't have to impress uh, Dave Rennie anymore. They have to impress uh, Eddie Jones, some of these players. Uh, just had a, a brief look at uh, some of the squads, and I don't see a lot different over there. No, well, I mean, that's probably because there's not the depth in Australian rugby as what we have in New Zealand, obviously. Uh, I think that the, the perennial team to watch are the Brumbies. Uh, they just seem to front up year in, year out. They always appear to be the toughest Australian team for New Zealand teams to put away. And um, so I'm expecting the Brumbies to be strong. They've got a first-up game against the Waratahs. Now, that's always a great clash because when Super Rugby was first uh, put in place back in 1996... The Brumbies were basically um, the, the, the off-casts, if you like, from the Waratahs, the blokes who uh, couldn't quite make it in Sydney, so they shot down to Canberra. Blokes like George Cregan and company, who finished up being the greats of Australian rugby. But um, So there's no love, love lost at all between the Waratahs and the Brumbies, that's for sure. But I'm expecting the Brumbies to be there. Uh, Brad Thorne is at the helm of the Reds once again this year, and they're always there or thereabouts, and the Waratahs. I'm not sure that you could say the Force um, or the Rebels uh, championship contender. So of the three Australian teams, I think the Brumbies once again, Smithy, will be the team to watch. There's a tasty clash at Mount Smart uh, Saturday afternoon at 4.35. I mean, there's four games in a row. It's a veritable feast on uh, Saturday. Moana Pacifica, Fiji and Drua. That'll be interesting and very physical, I'd imagine. 
Yeah, look, it will be, absolutely. Uh, there'll be a lot of passion around it. I'd, I'd expect a good crowd there too. And, uh, you know, both teams had promising um, moments in their first season. Uh, Moana Pacifica, of course, managed to knock off the Brumbies in their first uh, in their first season, which was fantastic. And the Fiji Drill were very good, particularly at home. And um, I think we'll see them playing a lot more home games this year. So, look, that really is uh, one to look forward to. And you're right, it's... it's, it's uh, <laughs> It's going to be hard to get off the couch this weekend, isn't it? <laughs> it is, except for those that have to work. Uh, Nisbeth, you um, obviously you have a briefing um, at uh, within the commentary group, etc. And uh, you sometimes talk to the referees uh, early in the season, and they t- tend to say things that they might be looking for this year, or little changes in rules, etc. Is there anything for us as spectators to look at this time round? What they're aiming for? Yeah, look, there's a little bit of tweaking around, uh, Smithy, and, and it's all about speeding the game up. And, and so they've put those time limits on, haven't they, with 90 seconds for conversions, uh, 60 seconds for uh, penalties. Um, you won't see too many red cards handed out uh, this year, Smithy. What they're going to do is they're probably going to issue yellow cards and give uh, the TMO eight minutes to decide whether it stays at yellow or deserves to be red. So you won't see any straight reds. Uh, that'll be most unusual. Um, and the other one is, is just a small tweak around the scrums, where the uh, where the scrum half or the or the halfback putting the ball in isn't allowed to invade into opposition territory. You can't go past um, you know the gap in the scrum the ball's put in. So there's none of this business of you know, the ball going to the back of the scrum and the opposing halfback sticking out an arm and all this sort of stuff. So all these things are just really being instilled into uh, into the game to speed it up a little, which I think which I think is all very positive. So let's sit back and 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 hopefully it's all uh, it all works out well. Without halfback interference, does that mean we might see a little bit more of the old fashioned New Zealand rugby of a number eight coming off the back and making serious yardage? Yeah, absolutely. And you can imagine a guy like Artie Salvia with his extreme pace being able to make a, a, a really good dash of 10 or 15 metres before he actually engages the opposition. And it also means the defending halfback will have to make a decision about which side he defends on because there's no point in hanging around the scrum. Uh, he may as well become another defender. And so um, I, I think you're right. I think we are going to see the number eight running along with it. Right, uh, just finally, Nisbo, before we let you go, I, I imagine um, Ian Foster's had a guts full of it. He said, uh, said as much during the week. This all-black coaching saga, I, 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 I keep looking at it and I keep thinking about it and I keep saying to myself, how can you have, have appointed a, a guy to do a job um, but you're looking for his replacement before he's even proven whether he can do the job or not? What if he wins the World Cup? What if he goes through the season unbeaten and they've appointed someone in the meantime? Yeah, I'm abused, mate. Absolutely. I, th- I think it's a disgrace what's going on at the moment, quite frankly. And everybody needs to pull their heads in and let Ian Foster get on with it. He's taking us to the World Cup. That's that's a full stop. And let's worry about after the World Cup. Uh, you're dead right. If he wins the World Cup, what happens? If he wants to carry on and wins the World Cup, why wouldn't he carry on? So I'm absolutely with you on this one. And I think the NZA, you've got to come out strongly and say, we'll make a decision after the World Cup. There's no point. I know they're nervous about where uh, certain other uh, coaches might end up, but that's just bad luck. There'll always always be somebody holding their hand up to coach the All Blacks. Don't worry about that.
Well, we have uh, had a, I mean, it's not like Scott Robertson's the first cab off the rank there. We've had a lot of coaches who have probably been worthy of an All Black uh, post over the years have gone um, and may come back at some stage. It's just a fact of the job you're working, surely. Yeah, look at all the New Zealand rugby coaches around the world, um, you know, because they can't get a job here in Super Rugby, so they all head off uh, and, and do really well. Um, I mean, there's some classic examples. I mean, look at Joe Smith. He, could, he, he couldn't get a top job here, so if he goes to Ireland, makes his name there, he's finally back here. Uh, who's to say Joe Smith might want to hold his hand up at the end of uh, next season and say, um, you know, I'm pretty keen? Who's to know? Um, I think we should just sit down... Uh, support the All Blacks, uh, select the coaching team, uh, support the coaching team, get on with it, hopefully win the World Cup and then make a decision. Good on you, Nisbo. Uh, now I'm ready for the rugby season. I hear you back in form. I, I hear you're ready. <laughs> Good on you, Smithy. <laughs> Cheers, man. Thanks for your time, Nisbo. Have a great uh, call, uh, two calls this weekend. Look forward to it. Thank you, man.